So here's what we're going to do today. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different in the sense that there are going to be some questions that I ask you, and I will prompt you. But um, a lot of times I ask a question and you all answer in your head. I'm going to actually want you to answer out loud for some of this. All right. So you'll know when I get there. Um, uh, but I'll prompt you if that's the case. All right. Uh, but I do want to start off uh, doing a public confession about a problem that I have that my wife, if she was here first service and she's kind of an introvert, so she's not gonna do anything. Well, she's not kind of an introvert. Like if you look up introvert in the dictionary, her picture's there. But but, so so if she wasn't as much of an introvert, she would have amened me when I said this out loud, Uh, but she didn't want people looking at her. So she just grinned and nodded. Ferociously, she nodded. So this problem that I have is I'm not good at fixing things that are broken. And um, God has gifted me to fix broken people, but broken things, not so much. Like literally, in our house right now, there is a dishwasher. Like all these things are in a certain state of disrepair. They work, but not quite. You know what I'm talking about? Um, A dishwasher, a faucet, a drawer in the kitchen always comes off the track, um, uh, which is so frustrating. Um, uh, oh, in a fence in our backyard that our dog always finds a way out. Now, here's the problem. I have fixed all of those things multiple times, right? That's what drives the point home that I'm not actually good at fixing things. But here's the tension that I live in. I love you know, I'm not good at fixing things, but I love figuring out how things work, right? I love taking things apart and figuring out why they're broken. I love the way machines and, and systems work, and I love discovering that, which is why YouTube is a problem for me, right? Because you have a broken dishwasher, you don't call a plumber, you go to YouTube, Right, Because there's some plumber who's made a video to show you how to fix it. And they do it in three easy steps, which, by the way, are not repeatable. I've tried. They turn into 15 steps, and it's still broken. Like, literally, what was so funny, I was writing this message when we were snowed in. And when I got to this point in the message, I started thinking about the dishwasher and thought, ooh, I, I bet, okay, I bet I know what the problem is. I stopped writing this message, went onto YouTube, found a video, took the dishwasher apart, and it's still not working, in case you're wondering. But that's okay, because there's still lots more YouTube videos out there that I can, I can, I can work with. But the question that I have as I, when I got back to my message, I was like, why in the world do I still do this? I know I can't fix the dishwasher, but I'm also this optimist. Surely this will be the time that I fix it. And what I discovered is that really deep down inside, I'm very curious, right? Like I said, I love to figure out how things work. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I wonder if, if that curiosity might be there in all of us. You know, we have a ministry here at Fellowship under our value of service, that's a car care ministry. And what we do, we have a couple of adults who love to figure out how broken cars can work again. And they love to work on cars and they love to teach others how to work on cars. And so they have taken this group of teenagers and taught them how to do oil changes and simple maintenance on their cars. But that's not the ministry. The ministry is these adults and these teenagers uh, doing car care ministry for single moms and women uh, who can't afford 
um, or for whatever reason, can't get simple maintenance done on their cars. And so four times a year, they pull up to our parking lot and get their oil changed and tires rotated and whatever else, simple maintenance that they need. But all of that is driven out of this curiosity, out of this desire to discover. We even have an entire creative team, a group of artists and, and creatives that love to, to discover how people worship and they're curious about that and, and curious how their gifts of art can, can cross paths with worship and they create environments for us to worship up here on stage, in the lobby. Right now they're working on our Good Friday service already where we're gonna do a, an art exhibit again, an interactive art experience for Good Friday right here in this room, and they're already thinking and dreaming and working through that. All of that, though, is driven out of this desire for discovery and this curiosity. See, and I don't think I'm alone here. I think we all, we all like to see how things work at some level. Maybe yours is people. You like to see how people work. Maybe it's organizations. You like to see how organizations work. Maybe it is machines, and you like to see how machines work. But I think we all have this level of curiosity that, 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 that drives us. And so let me ask you a question. This isn't where you have to answer out loud. You can answer this one in your head. Have you ever wondered how heaven works? Have you ever wondered how the spiritual world works? And have you ever wondered what difference that makes to you and to me? What if I told you today, I can show you a little bit about heaven, how heaven works? What if I told you today that we can discover this together? Because every once in a while, what our Bible does is it pulls back the corner of heaven and let, just gives us a glimpse of how heaven works. The book of Daniel does that with the spiritual world and we see that there is this hierarchy of spirit in, in the spiritual world that, 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 that Daniel kind of, God uses Daniel to pull the corner back and show us that. And, and what we're gonna see today in our passage today is, is heaven, uh, the Bible's gonna pull the, the corner back and show us about how heaven works in one particular area and that's worship. Because we're gonna see heaven worship today. And our application is gonna be very simple and our application is simply this. When, when we worship what heaven worships, it is wonderful worship. When we worship what heaven worships, it is wonderful worship. And so the application will be for us to worship what heaven worships. But, but what we're gonna see is there is a result of that worship that is just for us to enjoy. And this result that we're gonna see today, I think makes all the difference for us. And we're gonna be in Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. If you, have, if you need a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Uh, in that Bible, it's on page 710. Um, or you can also uh, download the Bible app and we're there, if you look under the Bible app, look under events and click on Fellowship Asheville, our announcements are there, the scripture for today is there, even questions to consider after the message are there for you. And let me tell you a little bit about this book, Luke, because Luke is this, is this author who wrote the book of Luke, right? And what we know about Luke is we know that he was a doctor, we know uh, that he actually didn't experience himself the things that he writes about. 
right? He is, in, in a sense, the first biographer in the New Testament because he became a Christian and was discipled under Paul's ministry. And so the events that he writes about, he didn't experience it himself, which is why Luke, as a book, starts off with Luke introducing the fact that this whole letter was written to a guy named Theophilus. And Theophilus wasn't a Jewish guy. Theophilus uh, was a Gentile, which means he wasn't Jewish. It means he was other, right? And, and so Luke wanted to explain to Theophilus everything Jesus did. And he wanted to explain the gospel to Theophilus. And so, so what Luke did is, is he set out on his own personal journey to compile testimonies and to compile the stories of the people who did experience everything that's written in there. And he compiled all those together to, to explain to Theophilus who Jesus is and what he's done. And we get the benefit of that. And so what we're going to see today in this chapter is he's going to describe what happened with some shepherds that were in a field. And through Luke's eyes, he's going to describe what these shepherds experienced when heaven opened up for them. And through these shepherds, we're going to see what heaven worships. And when we worship what heaven worships, it's wonderful worship. Let's look at verse 8. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these shepherds because it's, it's, it's a little difficult for us to understand because we don't have this category. But, but shepherds were considered unclean by simply the fact that they were shepherds, by the work that they did. And what unclean means is that, is that when this time was written... If you were Jewish, you would go to the temple and worship on a regular basis, a temple or a synagogue. But because of the work they did, they were never clean enough to go. They, were, they, they, they could never um, purify themselves to be able to enter into worship. And so these guys were those guys that if you were Jewish and you were a regular to the temple, these guys are those guys that you would look down on. I mean, think about the worst job someone could have, and shepherds were below that, is the way the Jewish society looked at them. Now, what's hard for us to understand, it, because we don't really have that category, one of the things you'll hear at fellowship over and over and over again, if you're new, is that you'll hear at fellowship, you can be anything but a liar, right? And, and you come into this place, and you are welcomed with the love of Christ, because we have all been welcomed with the love of Christ. And so if you come in this place, there's no job that you can have that we would say you're not welcome here. You could be a prostitute and walk in here and you'd be welcomed with the love of Christ. But when this was written, that wasn't the case. And these guys were those guys who weren't welcome at the temple, who weren't welcome at the synagogue. Well, watch what happens to those guys. In verse nine, it says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Now here's the deal. These shepherds were just doing their night job, right? They're watching their sheep. They're doing their, their, their night job and all of a sudden, heaven opens up to them. All of a sudden, and, and, and the language kind of captures this. They're in this field. And if you imagine being, uh, being a shepherd out in a field, it's like when we're camping somewhere where there are no lights, right? And so it's dark, 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 dark. 
And all of a sudden, this spotlight from heaven shines down, and there's one angel standing there. And so, so the glory of the Lord literally shone around them. Every place that they were was lit up all of a sudden, and there's this angel. Now imagine how this made them feel, because they were those guys, and God showed up to them. And he interrupted their night job. And here we see something for us to pay attention to. It's that worship can happen anytime. And I would say worship can happen for anyone is what we see here. That these guys were those guys and heaven showed up right in the middle of their night shift, right when they were, the, in their minds, they were the last ones that heaven would show up for. And this was the last place that heaven would show up for. But yet heaven interrupts them. So let me ask you, has, has heaven, has God ever interrupted what you're doing? Has, has, has heaven ever interrupted your work? Have you been at home doing the dishes? Have you been clicking away on your computer? Have you been working at the restaurant? Have you been sitting face to face with a client and all of a sudden something shifts? All of a sudden, heaven opens up. Maybe he he brings someone to mind who needs prayer. And you're minding your own business and then all of a sudden somebody pops into your head and you just feel this prompting, you need to be praying for them like right now. Or maybe, maybe God reminds you of something that you said you would do and you haven't done yet. And you realize, ooh, I need to get on that like right now. Or maybe you are sitting face to face with a client and all of a sudden you realize this conversation is more than a conversation. This conversation is a divine moment. Now what's interesting is their response. Look at the response of the shepherds. Their response was fear. And here's what we see with them that your first response doesn't have to be your last response. We're gonna watch this journey that these shepherds go on when heaven opens up to them and we're gonna see them move from fear to something else. And that something else is something that we all need this time of year. And then that something else is gonna lead them to worship. And so for us, our first response when God interrupts us doesn't have to be our last response. So how do you respond? Do you know how sometimes I respond? And y'all, this is so convicting because my job is being a pastor, right? And you think I would be open to God interrupting me, right? Because that's what I do. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I've got a plan for my day, right? And when God interrupts that plan, sometimes I get frustrated Anybody get frustrated when God interrupts your plans? Sometimes I get annoyed, but sometimes the thing that I do is the worst of all. Sometimes I just dismiss it. I think that, oh, that can't be God. That's just me remembering something, or that's just this, or that's just that, and I just dismiss it. Well, church, take hope, because our first response doesn't have to be our last response. Because watch what these shepherds, watch what their response turns into. In verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Anybody think of Linus when you, when you read this? 
from the Charlie Brown Christmas special? Did y'all know Charles Schultz did that um, cartoon, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, because he said somebody has to tell the story of Christmas. When he did that, everybody else was telling the story of Santa Claus and, 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 and focusing on that part of Christmas. And he said, nobody's telling the story. And so he had Linus tell the story of Christmas. So every time I read this, these, these verses, I have Linus's voice in my head. But, but here's, here's what Luke said, the angel said to these shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And so this one angel declares this, this good news, declares this great news that the Messiah that the nation had been waiting for has come. But like I said, Luke is a doctor and he's not writing to a Jewish crowd. He's writing to a Gentile crowd. He's writing to people like us. And see, we have never been looking for a Messiah. You know why? N not because he's already come. That's one reason. But we're not Jewish, right? We weren't raised with our parents quoting the promises of the Old Testament to us that a Messiah was coming. Neither was Theophilus. And Luke doesn't use the word Messiah. He uses the word Savior because Theophilus wasn't looking for a Messiah. He was given the gift of a Savior. We weren't looking for a Messiah. We were given the gift of a Savior. For unto us, all people, that's you and me, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And see, what's interesting is this angel calls, calls this baby Lord. This angel says the baby that's born unto you is my Lord, is what this angel says. That these shepherds heard that this baby was born and this baby is God. That this Savior is God, and this is good news. Why? Because sin would finally be dealt with. Sin would have no more power and, and, and no more penalty. For those whose faith is placed in this baby, relief would finally come. But here's what's amazing. Look at what heaven does to this announcement. So right now, these shepherds see one angel making this declaration. And look at what happens in verse 13. It says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. All right, here's what just happened, right? American Idol, your favorite, your favorite person is up there singing and they, and they hit this solo that is just amazing. Then all of a sudden, this curtain behind them drops and there's a choir behind them. And what was exciting just became mind-blowing. That's what happened right here. These shepherds see this angel make this declaration that a savior has been born and that this savior is God. And, and at the announcing of this good news, all of a sudden the spotlight surrounds them and they realize it's not just one angel there. It is a choir of angels that they see because of what this angel said. And look at what they sing in verse 14. It says, in saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
And so what's their song? Their song is about the glory to God. And this glory to God means that, that this heavenly host is saying, this baby that's born, this savior that's given to you in the city of David, this is all God's doing. This is all God's plan. God gets all the credit. That's what glory means. But they say this baby that was born, this savior that has been given, has a direct result for you. It's glory to God and peace to us. They say this, this good news that this angel just announced to you, this is God's plan. This is what God has been planning all along. And by the way, this plan means you get to finally experience peace. Now imagine if you're a shepherd who hasn't been to church in decades because of your job. And you thought God is mad at you this whole time. And heaven finally says, peace is yours. That's our gospel. You see, the heavens worshiped God because of the gospel. As a matter of fact, when the angel said, I bring you good news, that word, good news, is the word we get our gospel from. So in some ways, it's like the angel said this. It's like the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you the gospel of great joy. Because that's the same word. Behold, I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born a savior. You see, when the heavens heard this gospel, they broke out into worship. And their worship was to proclaim the goodness and the glory of God, and their worship was to acknowledge that this gospel has a very specific result, that this gospel is a gospel of peace. Now let's focus on that word for just a minute, peace. Right, picture yourself being one of these shepherds, peace. Now, this is a word that we need more of, isn't it? Like, you don't even have to picture yourself as one of those shepherds. Like, you need peace. We need peace. I need peace. I was listening to this podcast this week, um, and, and this guy I was listening to made this, made this uh, very interesting statement. He said, your body is a major prophet in your life. Your body will tell you what's going on with you before your mind can figure it out. Right, We live in this era that is the most convenient era that, that humanity has ever had. Literally, if you run out of toilet paper, you don't even have to go to the store. You can go to Amazon.com and it will be delivered to your front door. I had a friend who had a toilet delivered to his front door through Amazon. Right, If you live in a big enough metropolitan area and it's a light enough thing that you order, they will hook that thing to a drone and deliver it to you right then. That's convenient. But do you know we also live in an era where depression and anxiety and stress is higher than it's ever been. And our bodies keep telling us that we need peace, right? People have headaches for no reason. They've got nervous breakdowns. They've got burnout. They've got high blood pressure, heart attacks. Even cancer has been linked to high stress and this need for peace. You see, our bodies are telling us one thing over and over and over again, and it is that we need peace. 
You don't believe me? Let me, let me, let me get your heart rate going just a little bit. Christmas is two days away, y'all. Right? Two days away. Anybody need some peace? Okay, see, that's when you can respond back. Sorry, I forgot to lead into that. All right, so let me ask you again. Anybody need peace? Yes. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that our gospel is a gospel of peace. Right? And so here's what this is saying. And here's what, what you might be thinking. Are you, you, know, you might be thinking, Fred, are, are you saying that if I don't have peace, I need the gospel? If I'm not at peace, do I need the gospel? I'm not telling you that. The Bible is telling you that. You can argue with Luke when you see him in heaven about that issue. Because Luke is telling you that. And not only that, he's got a group of shepherds that were sitting out in a field that says, we needed that peace. And we found that peace in the announcement of these angels. And they found that peace in what's about to happen next. And so the question is, do you need that peace? You see, whenever you aren't at peace, you need to be reminded of this good news. And here's why. Because if you're not at peace, you can't worship what these angels worshiped. Here's one of the things I'm learning about myself. And, and I've mentioned this before, but, but the more I do this, the more I realize it's like an onion with many levels that I gotta keep on peeling off and peeling off and peeling off. When I drive in my car, it is a time that exposes my heart, right? Because I start having these conversations in my head. Anybody have conversations in your head about, about things that happened to you that you wish you would have happened differently or about things that are coming up before you that you're trying to prep yourself for handling it and it's always like an argument in your head? Because that's what happens in my head. I relive these conversations about what I should have said. And those are not peaceful conversations in my head, right? Those are angry conversations in my head. Those are conversations filled with conflict and filled with pride. And what I'm learning is that when I have those conflicts going on in my head, those conversations going on in my head, it's showing me that my heart is not at peace. It's showing me that these conversations that are going on in my head are a sign that I need to remember this gospel. That this gospel that I believe, that a savior was born, and that that savior not only was born, but like Cam said, he grew up and he died on the cross to take away the penalty and power of our sin that only this savior could do, that only Jesus could do. And then he rose from the dead just to prove that everything he said was true. When somebody raises from the dead, you pay attention. Right? And this Savior's death and resurrection did something when it dealt with sin. It fixed the relationship between God and myself so that now I have this all the time, everywhere relationship with God that wherever I am, God has been and God is and God will be. That he is with me now and I am with him. And here's what I'm learning. This is the part that I'm learning about this is that I don't need to just remember the gospel in those moments. I actually need to relive the gospel in those moments. I need to take that gospel and soak in it like a nice bath after the in-laws leave, right? Soak in that gospel. 
I need to relive this gospel that when I'm not at peace, when I'm having those conversations in my head, I have forgotten that gospel. I have set it off to the side. And what I have forgotten is I have forgotten that God is with me. I have forgotten that God will be with me. I have forgotten that God will lead me and guide me and that God will give me the words that I need to say and that God gave me the words I needed to say then. And I've forgotten that that God has got whatever it is that's going on in my head. You see, then I can remember and I can relive this gospel. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, that's reliving. And when I relive the gospel, there is peace. Now, church, do you need this kind of peace today? Do you need this kind of peace tomorrow? Do you need this kind of peace on Christmas? Amen, right? (laughs) Ironic, isn't it? See, maybe this is your first time to hear about this kind of peace. And maybe you thought this peace was available to you when you get to heaven. And maybe you thought this kind of peace, maybe you get a glimpse of here if you're doing just enough right to make God smile and to make God pay attention to you. Well, here's the good news, that this gospel of peace is available to you right now, not just one day in heaven if the scales are tipped in your favor. See, this peace is available to you today that God with you can only happen when that Savior born in the city of David is your Savior. And let me tell you something that I've been doing when I realize I need this peace. Is I've been reliving this gospel. I've been experiencing this gospel in a very simple way. Sometimes when the scriptures have the word you, I like to replace it with my name. You know, like John three sixteen, right? You put, instead of the world, you put your name. With this verse that I was focusing on for this sermon, it helps me relive the gospel because there's a pretty powerful you in here. And what I've been doing is taking the you out and putting my name in it. And so it's this. It's for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And what I've been doing is when I feel this need for peace, I've been saying, for unto Fred is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And it's put me in the place of those shepherds. It's put me in the place of someone who needs that savior for peace right now just by simply putting my name. And so we're gonna try it, right? This is gonna be another opportunity for you to respond, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say it in your head first, kind of get the rhythm, right? And so when the blank is there, I want you to insert your name. I'll say it out loud the first time, and then we'll read it together the second time saying your name. And what I want you to do, I invite you to relive this gospel for you. And this isn't about salvation. Like like if, if Jesus isn't your savior, then this is about salvation. But if Jesus is your savior, this is, this is reliving the truth of this gospel of peace for you. All right, so say it in your head with me. For unto is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Now we're gonna say it together and I'm gonna pause and I want you to say your name. I want you to say the whole thing with me and put your name in it and relive this gospel with me. Right, so say it with me. For unto is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's do it again. For unto is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's my question. Is this true of you? If so, then you have an all the time, everywhere relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. And he can carry you through whatever it is that is stealing your peace. And for those of you who have already said yes to Jesus, we still need to relive this gospel, don't we? You see, peace is only found in this gospel, in this good news. For unto Fred is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Peace is what's available to us. This truth caused heaven to worship. And look at what happened when heaven closed up. Look at how the shepherds responded. In verse 15, it says this. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child, that all who heard it wondered at what, the, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, church, when we worship what heaven worships, there is peace. And that peace is wonderful worship. That's what these shepherds did. They returned to work praising God that day, that night. When they were first interrupted, there was fear. And then at the announcement of the gospel, there was peace and there was worship. And so church, do you need peace today? Is your body telling you that you need peace? Do you wake up in the middle of the night worried about tomorrow? You need peace. Do you have a hard time going to sleep because you're worried about tomorrow? You need peace. Do you have stress in your shoulders? That's right, I get it right here. Right here is where I get it. That's my little button that I need peace, right? Do you need peace? Well, let's all relive this good news together. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Say it with me with your name. For unto is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Church, here's what I want us to do. When you need peace, say that verse. Relive the truth of that gospel that there is a savior that has been born for you. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Let's pray.